Oh, I love our time of worship. And I'm just so encouraged how we've grown in worship as a church and just want to see that continue in the days, weeks, and months ahead. We're not going to stop. We're going to keep on going. Keep on going. Philippians chapter 3 tonight, I want to talk about the pursuit of the prize. And what we learn throughout the book of Philippians is that everything that Paul encourages us to do in our Christian walk will take us back to that sort of pathway to joy. That if we want to truly experience the joy of the Lord, all we have to do is follow him and what he has laid out for us. And what he has laid out for each of us is to earnestly pursue the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Notice, this is where I want to start tonight. Verse 14 of Philippians chapter 3. With this goal in mind, Paul says, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As we talked a little bit about last week, the word strive means to earnestly pursue something. And I use the illustration of a hound dog on a hunt, someone who's locked in and who will not deviate from that path. And notice what he says at the beginning of verse 14, with this goal in mind. It is the idea of continually being focused upon this goal. What goal? The goal of pursuing the prize. I think to myself, we as Christians need to make sure that we have the right goal or goals in our life and that we have goals and especially this goal. We need to make sure that we are living continually focused upon this goal, the goal of striving toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Is that our goal, you see. What is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? Well, again, as I said a little bit last week, the prize is both the pursuit itself and what that pursuit leads to. Let me first stay there. What does the pursuit that we are all supposed to be on, that's supposed to be the goal that we're continually focused on. What is the goal? Where's the end of that? Jesus. Jesus. But beyond that, if you will, it's as we gain more of Jesus that we realize, too, that he's our reward and that we are being rewarded by God for going after that prize and that we are rewarded both now and will be rewarded throughout eternity, you see. But I want to go back also to the fact that the pursuit itself is part of the prize, part of the reward. So often in our day and age, all we want to focus on is the end. We want to focus on getting to where we're getting to. 
And, and we forget that from God's perspective, this lifelong process, this pursuit that all of us are to be on is actually part of the prize. It's part of the reward that you and I actually get to do this. And yeah, at times it's a struggle, it's a challenge, it's hurdles to leap over, it's, it's walls in front of us that we've got to knock down and, and mountains to climb and giants to slay and it's all these things. But God is saying, don't you realize that in that, just like a runner who keeps their eye on the goal, on the finish line, on, on the tape at the end of the, of the race, that there's also the idea that the whole race is part of the reward. It, it's the fact that we're even able to be in the race and pursue Jesus Christ and all that that brings to us. I mean, think about it. How many people in this life have lived, well, have been born, have lived, and have died with really nothing to show for it? especially of eternal consequence or eternal value. And every day you and I get to wake up and we get to be part of a race that has eternal implications and that will have eternal value, that, that we are part of something that will matter forever and ever and ever. That's part of the prize. That's part of the reward. So that's where I want to start tonight. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If we could remember that verse, if we could just meditate on that verse, if we could just dwell on that verse, if we could just be reminded of that verse a lot, I think it would keep us sort of centered on what our center, as we sang about tonight, should be. That Paul is saying, let us Christians, let us be continually focused upon earnestly pursuing the prize of the upward call. And again, that means the race itself, the pursuit, but also what it leads to. It's going to lead to more of Jesus and all that that means for my life. You know, Paul was talking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9.24, and the Corinthians were very familiar with what was called the Ismithian Games, which was like the Olympic Games back in Paul's day. They ran similar races, and they had them right in Corinth, so the Corinthians would know exactly. They saw the athletes training and running these races and everything in these competitions. And Paul says to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 9.24, so run to win. That's something we should keep in mind. Now he says, in earthly races like the Ismithian Games or the Olympic Games, he says, there's a lot of runners, but only one receives the prize. So then he says, so you and I run to win. The difference between the race that you and I are running as Christians compared to the race that others run on earth is that that's true. You can have many people enter a race, but only one is considered a winner because they compete against each other. The, the great thing about this pursuit and this, this run that God has us all on is God doesn't want us competing with each other, nor does God want us comparing ourselves with each other. That in a sense, in this race, everyone can win. 
Everyone can win if you and I are just running to pursue the prize that God has for us, you see. Because God doesn't want us competing with each other. God doesn't want us comparing ourselves with each other. And not only one wins the prize. We all can win the prize. We all can go after Jesus Christ with everything we've got. So Paul says to the Corinthians, so run to win. In a sense, he's saying, I have seen so many people in my day train their guts out and give everything they got to get a laurel wreath around their head. Because that's what it was. It wasn't an Olympic medal like we see people today. And even that, you're going, wow, you've spent years of your life. And yeah, there's notoriety and there's fame and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. But that's what they get. They get that after all that time. And so Paul's simply saying, if you and I as Christians, do we realize, I guess I should say it this way. I think Paul is saying there, do we understand that the prize that we're going after is worth and more valuable than anything else? Because if that be the case, then we would run to win. We would give it everything we got. The only way you and I as Christians don't run to win is because the prize isn't valuable enough. What we're going after, what we're pursuing with everything we got just isn't worth it. Because if it was really worth it, man, we'd dive in with both feet, as we say, and we'd give it everything we got. How many things, too, do you and I throughout our life get involved with in and put a lot of effort into pursuing, and it's not near as valuable or worth anything as what Jesus is and what Jesus can give us and what the benefits come from gaining more of Jesus, as Paul said. So with that sort of introduction tonight. I want to take us down through this passage, going back up even into verse 10, and going all the way down actually to verse 19. I think we'll get that far tonight, and then we'll pick it up and get into chapter 4 next week. And we might even get a little bit further than that, but I, I really want to concentrate on some key things that Paul says surrounding this pursuit of the prize. Because each of these things that Paul talks about here really is key in running to win and in pursuing the prize, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The first thing is, and you see this two different times said in two different ways, is in verse 13 and in verse 10 where Paul, first of all, in verse 13 of chapter 3 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded. Notice in verse 10, he says, My aim, not my aims, plural, but my single aim is to know him. Literally in the original language, in verse 13, the word single-minded means one thing. Think about that. Paul says, I'm all about one thing. That's what my life is all about, one thing. See what Paul's doing there? In order to run to win, he's narrowing the focus of his life. He's saying, this is my primary thing that I'm focused on, one thing, one thing. I want you to keep that in mind. 
Where have we heard that phrase before? I touched on it last week. Remember the story of Martha and Mary? And Martha's busy getting all these preparations ready for her guests, and she's running herself ragged in the kitchen, and Mary's in the living room just sitting at Jesus' feet, just soaking him up, and Martha's blood pressure is going up, and she's getting more and more irritated that she's out there slaving away, making all these great preparations, and there's Mary just sitting at Jesus' feet and not helping her. And so finally, she's had enough. She bursts into the room. She comes to Jesus, not to her sister, and she says, Lord, tell my sister to help me out there. And you know what Jesus' response is? Martha, Martha, you're troubled and all upset about all these other things. And then he says this, one thing is needful. One thing is needful. And Mary, your sister, has chosen the best part. I'm not going to chide her for that. I wouldn't change a thing, Jesus says. I'm not downplaying what you're doing out there. That's great. But sitting at my feet, that can't be replaced. One thing, one thing, one thing. And you and I as Christians, and can I say even serving Christians, we need to keep that in mind. Because so often we can be so busy serving the master that we forget the master that we're serving. That somehow Jesus gets sort of shoved to the background. And we always need to, within even serving Christ, make sure that we're keeping our fellowship and our time with Jesus and that, that we're doing it out of the overflow and, and that we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And let me say, it, it's not without its struggles and, and trying to fit pieces together and figure it all out at times because obviously there's responsibilities and there's things to do during the day, but somewhere along the line, you and I have to carve out that one thing that means more and that matters more and is more essential to our life than anything else, and that's our time with the Lord, sitting at his feet and just being in his presence, listening to him speak to us, sharing our heart with him, and just spending that quality time with him each and every day one thing that's really important that's how athletes like olympic runners and athletes that's why they achieve the success they do because they're not trying to do 10 different things they're locked in on one event and they train for that one event and that consumes and captivates them, and that's their whole life. And they, they, they literally spend hours and hours and hours and hours in training, behind the scenes, doing all that stuff that nobody else sees so that when they step before the crowds and the TV cameras and stuff, they're just continuing what they've been doing behind the scenes when nobody else was watching. And in a sense, that's what God wants to see in our life, that it's not a switch that we turn on and off when we get to church or when we get around other Christians or whatever. It's just this is who we are each and every day. And, and when we get up 
on the platform or when, when we're called on to, to pray or to serve, whatever, we're just continuing what we've been doing with the Lord all the time and, and we're with him all the time and so we're just, we're just continuing it. We're not changing anything. One thing. But notice the second thing. And I'm progressing sort of to the end of our earthly life or till we get to Jesus. The second thing I want to show you, the second phrase is not just to go beyond single-mindedness, but notice in verse 12 the phrase to lay hold. Paul says, not that I have already attained this. I, I haven't, you know, gotten to that perfect stage yet or have already been perfected by being in the presence of the Lord. But here's what he says again. I strive, I earnestly pursue to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Now I want to start actually with that last phrase. Paul is saying, you realize on the road to Damascus, Jesus grabbed a hold of me. And when he grabbed a hold of me and he saved me, he saved me with a plan and purpose in mind for my life. And guess what? Jesus grabbed a hold of each of us and he has a plan and purpose for our life too. Paul's saying it goes beyond salvation. And that's why we need to be pursuing the prize because it's as we pursue the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that we throughout our life find out what is it, Lord, that you would have me do at this time and in this season and how would you have me to do this and all of this. And it's all laid out as we embrace the will of God through each and every season for how, why he laid hold of me. He didn't just lay hold of us to save us. He laid hold of us to use us as his servants, to be his instruments and his mouthpieces and his ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ, and he's grabbed a hold of us. And so Paul says, I always want to lay hold of that. And by the way, the words lay hold mean to lay hold of and never let go. It means to grab a hold of and embrace Jesus with everything we got and never let go of him and never let go of what he's calling us to. Embrace it. Because there's a, a reason why God grabbed a hold of us and why he saved us and why he gave us the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the temperament and all of that that he gave us. There's a reason why, there's a purpose behind it. And Paul's saying, I want to lay hold of that. In, in a sense, it's like he's saying, God has this wonderful you know, will and plan and purpose for my life, and I want to make sure that I, I reach my full potential. And that everything God had planned for me is, is coming out of me as I pursue this prize. But again, Remember, it's in the context of pursuit. It's only when I'm running to win and, and I have the goal in mind of running it all that these things become discovered and that I realize I've got to be single-minded and I've got to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Something else I want to 
give you a visual here about laying hold because some of you are very visual in, in the way you uh, sort of adhere to, to concepts and I can be that way as well. So several years ago, God gave me this picture and I was, I was watching a nature show. Every once in a while, I'm just watching something and I, I do love, you know, watching shows about creation and about the animal kingdom and stuff and I was watching this show about monkeys and in the course of this show about monkeys, I was like, you know what? That's a, that's a spiritual, I can use that in my own life because it was a great visual for me that, that young monkeys literally do this with their mothers and they, never let, they don't let go for a time. It, it, they showed pictures of these young monkeys that literally, you know, for months, they would literally grab a hold of the shoulders and neck of their mother and just not let go. And everywhere their mother went, that was it. I mean, their mother could not go without them. Or if they had those long tails, they would literally wrap their tail around the tail of their mother or some body part of their mother and they would not let go. There was no disconnect between the monkey. So it was like God said, Jeff, you need to develop monkey faith. You need to have that kind of tenacious connection with me that you grab a hold of me like that baby monkey grabs a hold of her mother and does not let go. Ever. You embrace me and you embrace what I have for you and don't let go of it. No matter what comes. Because let's face it, Sometimes the will of God for us doesn't mean it's going to be easy, right? And if you and I aren't laying hold of it, we're just going to go, no, sorry. I don't want any parts of that, you know. And we'll get more into this during the Christmas series, but, you know, Nicole and I have been talking about the upcoming Christmas series, and, and we're going to be having all of us think about that but just for a moment think about what Mary and Joseph had to go through as really really young people I'm talking maybe 14 15 Mary and maybe a little bit older Joseph maybe and what they had to go through it wasn't easy and if they didn't grab a hold and have that kind of tenacious monkey faith, they would have said, this whole idea of being the parents of the Messiah, it's too demanding, I'm done. And that's why we've got to have that idea of not only being single-minded, and like Paul saying, my aim is to know him, that, that's my number one, but also when we lay hold of him, I mean, we grab a hold and we, we grip and we don't ever let go. Then Paul progresses again, because then notice in verse 13, we go back to there. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind, and here's the next phrase, reaching out for the things that are ahead, literally stretching forward. Paul's saying, here's the next bit of advice in running to win. Single-mindedness, laying hold, and now reaching forward. In other words, Paul is saying, just like a runner 
You can't run to win if you're always looking behind you. It's going to slow you down. So don't get caught up in the past. Don't get caught up in the victories of the past, and especially don't get caught up in the mistakes and failures and all of that in the past. Don't let the past define us. Keep moving forward. And if we fail and if we fall, then by God's grace and mercy, get back up and keep going forward. Because God always wants us to keep going forward, to keep stretching forward, to keep looking at what he's got ahead, not what was behind, and not to allow what's behind us to keep us from moving forward and grabbing a hold of everything God has for us. So often as Christians, we don't, you know, fully realize the plan and purpose and will of God for us because we're still too buried in our past and in what happened in the past and to keep us from embracing all that God has for us in reaching forward, which also is a wonderful thing that there's always more out there. We never get, you know, we never hit a ceiling. I was invited by Jenna Pearson, our FCA representative and missionary to a luncheon today where they had a lot of different people from FCA and they were introducing the new state director of Fellowship of Christian Athletes and this one girl was a senior at Campo Verde High School over here and she's going to go to NAU and run track next year and she was talking about how she tries to be a witness in her public school and all of that and she's a runner And I just thought to myself, you know, when we run, we've, we've got to keep moving forward. We can't look back. Reaching out, stretching forward, you know. Think of, think of the visual of the runner who's running in the sprint and they stretch out right at the end across the tape or across the finish line ahead of the other competitors. That's the, that's the visual that Paul has here. Stretching forward always for more of what God has for us. Paul says that's how we run to win. But then, go back up to verse 10 and 11. <clears throat> Paul says, my aim is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings and to be like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. The final phrase tonight, before we start wrapping it up, is to attain. Now in the English translation, and even in the net translation, there appears in verse 11 to be like Paul has a doubt that he's going to make it, doesn't it? Like, I'm not sure I'm going to attain to this or to get there. But that's not what Paul meant. It's actually not a doubt at all, but a desire to arrive at this moment. And the doubt is simply, I don't just know how I'm going to get there. What, what way has God chosen for me to finally get to the place where I see Jesus and my earthly body is glorified? Because that's what he's talking about here. The resurrection from the dead is when he knows he's going to see Jesus face to face and his earthly body is going to be glorified and he's going to get an, an eternal body you know, a body not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. So that's what Paul's talking about. He knows that he's going to arrive there one day, 
The only question he has is, I wonder how that's going to all happen. Because the one thing God doesn't ask us our opinion on is how we're going to die. What way we're going to go through this life to meet him in the next life. And Paul simply to the point was, he doesn't care. Whatever way God chooses for him to leave this earth and to go be with him and be glorified, Paul's like, that doesn't matter to me. My only desire is that God, I want to lay aside this flesh. I want to lay aside this fallen human nature. I want to have a glorified body so that I can serve you with everything and not you know, be that person that struggles with as he talks about to the Romans, the things that I want to do, I find that I'm not doing, and the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing, and who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All Paul cares about is getting to that place. Whereas John says, beloved, it has not yet been revealed all that we will be. But we know this, that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And Paul says, that's my desire. And so notice, we've went from the beginning of the pursuit in Paul's life, where he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and where Paul said, after he met the Lord, the rest of his life, until he attained to the resurrection from the dead, was all about, with this goal, continually in mind. I'm going to pursue with everything I can the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How am I going to do that? How am I going to run to win? Well, first of all, Paul believed that the prize of Jesus Christ was of greater value than anything else. We talked about that last week. He said, I'll count everything else in my life as done compared to the far greater value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So that's where it all started, even in last week's message. And then Paul says, here's some things to keep in mind to run to win as a Christian. Be single-minded, one thing. Then he says, lay hold. Then he says, reaching forth. And finally, one day, we'll get to the end of our race and we'll attain the resurrection of the dead. Now tonight, for just a couple minutes that we have left, I want to go down to verse 17 and 18 and 19 and share with you why is Paul so passionate about teaching us about the pursuit of the prize. Because Paul says, here's one main purpose for why I'm so passionate about it. He wants himself to be a good example for others to follow. And he wants to warn us that everybody out there who confesses Christ isn't always a good example. And like Jesus even said, the blind can lead the blind into the ditch. And unless you know where you're going and you're on the right path, then you realize that not only are you going to suffer loss, but all those who are following you are going to end up in that same ditch. So Paul's saying, here's why it's so important that we're on the right track and pursuing the right things as a Christian. Because he says there's only two kinds of examples, good examples and bad examples. And notice he starts out with the good example, verse 17. He says, so be an imitator of me. It's the same thing he said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Follow me as I follow Christ, brothers and sisters. And then he goes on to say, but I'm not the only one. 
He says, watch carefully those who are living this way. And who have we just talked about in the last couple weeks? Who are some other good examples that Paul has given to the Philippians? Timothy and Epaphroditus, back in chapter 2. He says, hey, watch them too, just as you have us as an example. So in verse 17, he says, here's a real good reason why we need to be pursuing the prize of the upward call, because we need to make sure that we're on the right path and that we're running the right race so that we can be examples to others and so that we make sure, too, are we following the right examples ourselves, you see? Because if we're not and we're following a bad example, then Paul says we're all going to end up in a bad place. Which is why then he says in verse 18, for many live. And here, folks, he's not talking about unbelievers here. In verse 18, he's talking about fellow Christians, unfortunately. He says, many live about whom I have often told you. And now with tears, because Paul's expressing grief over all the bad examples. He says, I tell you, they're the enemies of the cross. Why? Because their end is destruction. They're going to lose in the end. Their God is their belly. They're living for pleasure, not for God. And they exalt in their shame. And they think about earthly things, not heavenly things. See, the Bible has a lot to say about what kind of example we are and what kind of examples we're following. Who are we following? You think about Psalm 1-1. What's it say in Psalm 1-1? It starts out this way, the very book of Psalms that we've been studying for the last 13 weeks in our worship series. How does it start out? How blessed is the one that does not follow the advice of the wicked or stands in the pathway of sinners or sits in the seat of the scoffer. He's saying, don't follow them. Don't listen to them. How about Proverbs 13, 20? He who walks with the wise will be what? Wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. So again, be careful. Years ago, I had a friend ask me, actually, a, I thought a pretty insightful question, like, Jeff, who should my friends be? Who should I associate with? And I said, well, I said, this is something that the Lord taught me. I said, don't think about them. <laughs> Again, come back to the one thing. I said, you start running hard after Jesus Christ. And you pursue the prize of Jesus Christ with everything you got. And as you're going after Jesus and you're running that race, look around and see who's on either side of you. See who's there with you. And those will be the people that you should probably spend time with. The ones who have that equal passion for Jesus that you have. If you're in a situation where you want to run hard after Jesus and you're looking around and, you know, you, you can't find anybody to run with you, then, hey, don't get discouraged. You just keep running hard after Jesus. Either Jesus will bring somebody in there or, or he'll just minister to you in such a way that until that person or somebody else or a couple people come into your life who have that same heart for the Lord you do. But to me, that's the way God wants us to live. That's why Paul 
was so, I guess that's why people like Timothy and Epaphroditus were so dear to Paul, why he cherished them so much, because there weren't too many people like Paul. And so Paul just kept running after Jesus as hard as he could and looked around and saw, well, there's Timothy and there's Epaphroditus. I think I'll huddle with them. So that's why Paul is so passionate about this. Because, folks, every one of us, whether we realize it or not, we're an example. Somebody's following us. Somebody's watching us. Somebody's observing us. The question is not whether we're an example. What kind of an example are we? And then the other question is, and who are we following? Are we following somebody worth following? And how confident was Paul in knowing that he was running the race the way he should to even invite others? Follow me as I follow Christ. Oh, that we would have Christians that had that kind of confidence in the race that they were running, that they could look at other Christians, especially those that were younger and more immature and hadn't been in the faith that long, and say, hey, come alongside of me and let's run together for a while. You know? Again, just like Paul, I'm not perfect. I haven't gotten to the goal yet, but I'm running every day towards that goal. Will you run with me? What a precious picture of the Christian life. Always coming back, though, to this thought. We will pursue the prize with everything we have if we think the prize is worth pursuing. And for us, the prize could be of no greater value or worth. The prize is Jesus Christ himself and all that he brings. That's a prize worth pursuing. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight that, Lord, not only is the end of this race that we run, Lord, worth everything we'll ever give, because your word tells us that the sufferings even of this world are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us one day when we get to heaven and we see Jesus face to face. But God, you remind us that the pursuit itself, even on earth with all of its challenges and trials and difficulties and obstacles, that that's worth it too. Because Lord, there's something even in the struggle that we go through as a human being that still, Lord, loves you but still has this fallen human nature and it's going through the struggle and it's going through it with others and it's, it's, it's reaching forth and it's tenaciously grabbing a hold and it's being single-minded and it's just fleshing all this out, God, that really, Lord, is worth it. It's not just for us, the prize at the end of the race that's worth it. It's being in the race itself is worth it every day. So God, remind us of that, especially on days 
where we maybe don't even want to get up out of bed and we don't even want to face today because we wonder, what's the day going to bring to me? What's so good about this day? What can this day have in store for me? And what this day, each and every day, has in store for us as followers of Jesus Christ is it's another day where we can pursue the prize. It's another day where we can get up and where we can say this one thing is what I'm going to do above everything else today. I'm going to lay hold. I'm going to reach forth until the day that I am glorified, till I attain to the resurrection of the dead. God, may that be our heart's desire. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.